What's up, everybody? Welcome to Theology in the Dirt. Theology in the Dirt, we make it our aim to practice our theology in the public square of our homes, our city, and our world. And we are talking to you today from the worldwide headquarters of Global Impact International Restoration Rome. And you can see how we try, we try to put our theology into practice here in our city of Rome, Georgia, and addressing the foster and adoptive care crisis in Northwest Georgia, the state of Georgia, and the United States of America. And uh, we're glad to be part of Restoration Rome Global Impact. Glad that's part of our DNA being worked out. And so we're glad to talk to you today in 2023, and we're glad to start our new year by rolling all of the people who listen to Theology in the Dirt, little Rick Astley to start you off there. That's right. That's right. Rick, that's that's Rick officially, rolled. yeah, Rick Roll. If you ever heard being Rick Rolled, that's what Rick Rolled is. You get never going to give you up. It's hard not to smile when you hear that song. No, absolutely. Anybody tells you they hate that song is lying. I don't believe they hate that. I think that's cultural. I think that's been culturally conditioned. That's a great song. It's quality. It is quality. And the dude's voice, Rick Astley's voice, is amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's He's a, actually got some other like decent songs and stuff, but just, you know, I don't know that I can name one, but just because that's... <laughs> I saw yeah. an interview with him. Is it the Graham Norton show? Yeah, it was the Graham Norton show. And the Graham Norton show, the clips on Instagram and uh, uh, is are, are absolutely incredible. The Graham Norton show. If you don't watch the whole uh, Graham Norton show, it's a, a British chat show. Yeah, and he he's just a good interviewer. And yes. guys get on there and they're comfortable and it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. But Rick Astley's still he's still singing. He's still doing his thing, and is, is that baritone? Because I'm musically, is that a baritone voice he has? Yeah, that's probably what I would call kind of it. A deep, very manly voice, right? It's pretty awesome voice, and I like almost hearing very sing. kind of like Doobie Brothers ish. He's almost got that same kind of like tone. Yeah, that's good. That's true. That's very good. So I like I like Rick Astley. You hear him come on the radio. I'm never turning the station. So we blessed you guys, 2023. You're welcome. <laughs> that's right that's right well welcome to 2023 we're excited to start the year with theology in the dirt and uh and and get ourselves after uh some topics and some fun stuff and uh and we're gonna have a fun time this year chris uh welcome to 2023 man you got big plans this year well hopefully on monday night I got some big plans and hopefully georgia pulls out the national championship for the second oh, year in a row but go dogs uh, yeah always big plans so absolutely man you know, Hope it's going to be a good year. Well, we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about resolutions. We're going to talk about goals, and and those are kind of kind of what plans are: resolutions and goals. We're going to talk a little bit about the difference between those two, and some uh, maybe some guidelines on helping you approach those. But before we do, we've got some news. Man, every time that music comes on, I I get this two pictures in my head. One is of Tom Brokaw before the NBC uh, nightly news for my growing up, and then I, I see I see Ed Helms playing Andy on The Office doing his Tom Brokaw impersonation. <laughs> I inside laugh, so I can't. I came out of that with a vision in my head of Andy doing Tom Brokaw. Yeah. So I, I'll start. I have. I told you I had the news that I have two things that are on my mind, but I'm just going to talk about one. One of them is the McCarthy and the 
the House of Representatives, and but I'm not going to do that. It's a little bit of a local news story that um, really became aware of uh, over Christmas break, and a podcast called Proof. Uh, it's a fantastic podcast. It sort of it addresses some uh, some crime issues, um, court cases. Uh, Undisclosed is sort of the pre sort of prequel to that. Uh, prequel is probably not the right word, but um, one of the ladies who hosts Undisclosed uh, comes over and does proof with another lady, and uh, and their first season of Proof covered a case uh, that happened here in, in Roman Floyd County from uh, 1996. Now, what's interesting is they learned about this case on Undisclosed as an incredible story, of which I know some people in the Undisclosed case. They're friends of mine. Um, one particular is a, is a dear friend. But Joey Watkins um, and uh, a shooting that happened on 27, Highway 27. He was coming from, used to be Floyd Junior College. Now it's Georgia Highlands. Um And so as they're talking to Joey, Joey says, have you heard about these guys? And so they he tells them because Georgia Innocence Project has Joey's case, and um, and and so they know. We tell us about this. So he tells them about the story. Well, they talk to one of the guys that he's uh, uh, in prison with, and turns out that story is incredibly rich. And so, long story short, uh, Lee Clark and uh, Josh Story were released over Christmas break after doing twenty five years for murder. Uh, they did. They were convicted of conspiracy to commit murder. Um, and did 25 years of a life sentence and were set free. Um, and if, boy, we could, this could be a podcast in and of itself. Yeah. But what's interesting about that news for me is that, A, these guys did 25 years of a life sentence for something they didn't do. B, the evidence is overwhelmingly clear they didn't do it. C, much of it was covered up by the Floyd County Police Department. Um, and... I'll be very careful here um, because there are things I will probably share stories later on on the blog about some of our interactions with um, Floyd County and regard regarding particularly how we as Christians need to respond to things that aren't good inside our systems and the fact that part of the work of the kingdom of God is is not just saving people from the wrath of God through the shed blood of Jesus, but also the kingdom of God intends to correct broken systems and we have a role in that it's not just to look at that and go oh man that's bad oh my hmm no it's to make a difference it's to correct the system because when the kingdom of god comes finally is fully implemented fully manifested not comes the kingdom of god is here but when the kingdom of god is fully finally manifested in the return of the lord jesus in between this time and now we have a task and part of that task is preach the gospel to the nations make sure everybody hears the gospel has a chance to respond to the gospel, but also to fix things that are broken, which is why we're here at Restoration Rome Global Impact. We don't just look at the foster and adoption care crisis and go, oh, man, mm. well, yeah. <laughs> let's move on. We do things. We try to get involved in the systemic brokenness to fix the systems so that it's easier for foster parents. It's easier for biological families to meet the requirements to get healthy and get their kids back or for adoptive families to be that forever home quicker when it's evident it should be. But they're systemic. They're 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 legislative law they're laws that need to be changed. They're legislative implementations that need to take place. So we work in the systems. When we talk about the criminal justice system, man, there are things that are broken. And yeah. so if you're interested in looking into that, proof is called the podcast and uh the two 
uh, well, they're in their 40s now. They're grown men. They grew up in prison. They were 17 at the time of their trial. Uh, wow. Lee Clark, Josh Story, fantastic story. You will hear names of people you know here in Roman Floyd County, and uh, it is absolutely worth uh, an investment of 18 episodes. You'll be entertained, but you'll learn something, and it's cool to see two young men get their freedom and have a chance at life now. And yeah. so it's a pretty cool story. So that's that's my news. If you haven't heard about it, it happened right here in your hometown. It's worth listening to. Yeah. Wow. That's I can't imagine that. That's I mean, over a quarter of your life probably most likely in jail when if you didn't even right. deserve to be there. And and then right. and that's not that's not uncommon throughout the country, sadly. Right. Uh, you know, sometimes our it's that whole Innocent until proven guilty is yeah just a tagline or a slogan that's not always true. Was it Brian Banks who got the tryout for the Falcons about six, seven, eight years ago? I think it was Brian Banks. That sounds right. He was convicted of rape in California. He was a University of Southern California linebacker. He was projected first-round draft pick NFL. A girl accused him of rape. Um, he got convicted of rape. Did ten years of I forgot how many long of a sentence, um, and he was I think he was finally paroled. Uh, upon his parole, he goes home. He's living at home with his mom. The girl who accused him of rape calls him, leaves him a message. He calls his attorney. Brian calls his attorney and says, "She called me. What do you want me to do?" He says, "How about this? Let's wire you. Let's tap you. Meet with her because dude was completely innocent." Thought they proved the innocence, which, by the way, the role of juries, like if you when you listen to the jurors in this proof podcast, it'd make you sick to your stomach. Yeah. It'd make you sick to your stomach. But um, so they get convicted and was clear he didn't do it. Uh, so the attorney goes, let's wire you. Let's tap you. So they wiretap the guy. He goes and meets with her. The first thing she says is, I know you didn't do it. I tried to get myself out of trouble for all this stuff by accusing you of rape. And I'm sorry. They get it on tape. Well, that's great, but he lost 10 years of his life, lost an NFL career. Millions and millions of dollars. Millions and millions of dollars. The Falcons were good enough to give him a tryout because he was great. And in 10 years, you've lost a step. And I think he made the practice squad the first year. He just couldn't flame out. I mean, they gave him a shot. And the only reason I know about that was because the Falcons. And it was a great story. He has an organization called Exonerate uh, that's that's devoted to making sure people are wrongly convicted of, of crimes get a chance to prove their case but anywho you're right it's not uncommon and makes you then begin to wonder how many people have been convicted of things they didn't do because of shoddy police work and uh, a jury um who just you know thinks everybody who's brought up on charges is guilty yeah it's unfortunate anyway that's not a downer it's actually a great story these young men get out episode 18 my i was my eyes were sweating because like you know they get to it, it's it's fantastic story. So anyway, kudos to those ladies. Kudos to uh, Bratcher Martin Law Firm in town for taking on that case, and yeah. kudos to our DA's office who finally opened up a uh, finally opened up an investigation and proved it also, and got those young men out. Pretty awesome story. Yeah, that's good to hear. Not what happened to them, but the fact that they were able to get out. Absolutely. Um, all right, so for my news, so, uh, mine's a little bit lighter hearted. Bring it! Uh, I, I'm always the bad news guy. I'm, and you, you're you bring a good light mix uh, to my. Head there's enough head. bad, I think, out there, and we're just into, but so in an overly sensitive and sad world where very little surprises me anymore. Right. Um, this week, I learned about a new initiative by Stanford University. Okay. 
you know, in the middle of wokeness or whatever you want to call this new <laughs> movement. But they this new initiative is called the Elimination of Harmful Language Initiative. So, <laughs> so this buckle up. Wow. Stanford has made it against the rules to use certain words and phrases that they deem harmful. Really? And there's a list of them, and it's worth your time to go just Google Stanford University harmful language. Um, Can you share some of them? I do. I've got – I'm not sharing all of them, but here – so here's a small sampling of those that I'm just completely befuddled by. Okay. Chances are I would be convicted by this list. <laughs> I would say these on purpose just to – Fine. Anyway, right. so here are some of the, some, but definitely not all of them. Okay, the words that you're not allowed to say at, at Stanford University okay. anymore. Crazy. Whoa. Dumb. Oh. Basket case. <laughs> okay. Insane. Spaz. Graybeard. Senile. <laughs> Philippine Islands. Whoa. Because it sounds too colonial. You could say the Philippines, but you cannot apparently say the Philippine Islands. Wow. Brave. The word brave. Really? Yeah. So I couldn't wear, I guess I couldn't wear any of my Atlanta Brave stuff out there. No. Chief. Guru. <laughs> What's up, Chief? <laughs> Pocahontas. <laughs> you cannot say the word Pocahontas. So the whole night at the museum. Yeah. yeah like or, Pocahontas. Or anything history related. Okay. Balls to the wall. <laughs> I thought that was funny. <laughs> That's awesome. Chairman, chairwoman, congressman, congresswoman, freshman, gentleman, guys, ladies, mailman, or basically anything that has man or woman in it. This isn't a joke. Policeman. No, I'm 100% serious. Fireman. Like any of those words, you can't wow. say that they end in man or woman. Wow. American. <laughs> I pledge allegiance to the beep flag. Like, what do you do? Yeah, what? I, I guess you don't do that in college, but still, like, right. what do you. Anyway, American is one. American. Circle the wagons. <laughs> Karen. As like, come on, somebody a Karen. Straight. Okay. Survivor. User. Cakewalk. Ghetto. Grandfather. Master. Killed it. <laughs> killed it. Yeah, you can't say that one. <laughs> oh, God. Killed it. We killed that podcast, man. Killed it. Rule of thumb. What's wrong with that? <laughs> They're all in there. I think something, I think, native. Rule. Or, rule. Rule, yeah. Rule oh, that's right. Bad. Long time no see. Okay. Normal person. Okay. And submit. <laughs> and these are just, like, like I said, just a sampling of them. And I'm just, like, maybe I'm not really surprised because there are people, I've seen clips of people on interviews and stuff, like, saying we should... Anything with that has it ends in M A N, we should wow do away with. And I, I just want to be like, that's you serious, bro? That's like half my language right there. It's like all those words that yeah, I, I wouldn't. I apologize survive. if I offended anyone. <laughs> so I could call you an idiot, but I can't call you gentleman. No, that's wow. And does that? <laughs> that's what you should do if you're at Stanford. Just call everybody, hey, idiot. Yeah. With a smile, hey, idiot. Or, or worse, because I don't see, there was a lot of more words that would yeah. be harmful that weren't on the list. But Rather than, You're such you know. a gentleman, so you're such an idiot. Did you just call me a policeman? <laughs> How I'm dare a, you? I'm a police it. Police it. Okay, when you said long time no see, I instantly, do you remember when Michael Scott discovered that he could type words into his computer and his computer would talk? Oh, yeah. And he called Jim in. Long Tim. And he said, long Tim. <laughs> Left the E off. So good. And when you said long time, I listen, that tells you 
how inappropriate I am is I instantly go to office clips when I there's so apparently time. that phrase comes from like a um, Native American history. It actually gives you like it, it gives you the okay. list of words you can't say, what you should say instead, and then like a little bit of an explanation. I'll mm-hmm. try to send it to you later because I would love to see that. That was I was reading that yesterday was like one of the more enjoyment days of the day because I was just like <laughs> somebody sat down and said, "Man, this would really hurt someone's feelings." Right. If if I used the phrase basket case or rule of thumb. <laughs> yeah. I would absolutely love to. Yeah. You guys send me that link because I'm, I'm totally curious. That's good stuff. Well, you know what time it is? Time for the show. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention? Voice just interfered with their list. He said, "Gentleman." The show starts in feelings are hurt. My feelings are really hurt. So do we have to fire voice because he said gentleman? Only if we plan to do a podcast on Stanford University's campus. <laughs> Apparently. I do apologize to anyone I offended by reading that list. This shows you what knowledge does because now that I know that's an offensive word, like voice has lost his luster. Yeah. I don't know, man. Anyway, gosh, voice. Maybe you clean your act up a little bit. Anyway, we're going to talk today about resolutions, goals for a new year, particularly as a Christian. Kind of what's the place of resolutions? What's the place of goals? Um, one of the things I discovered as I was looking at resolutions and goals, I think I take them, I think for granted, um, say resolution and goal. And what I realized is that as I looked at those two, there's a difference between a resolution and a goal. They're not the same thing. Right? They're com- they're, they're actually very different. So so there's a difference. And and the truth is, both a resolution and a goal likely needs to be in play for a Christian um, to help us live a, a targeted, intentional life. A resolution here here's the difference. Resolution from from my digging uh, is that a resolution is a statement of what you want to change. It's more of a, um, recognizing something and resolving to shift it. So, so it's this is this way, but I'm making a resolution for it to be different. So resolution involves a change of behavior. A goal is a statement of what you want to achieve, and particularly how you're going to do it and, and some kind of time frame on doing it. And so one is something you want to change. Something is the other is, is something you want to achieve. And, and goals are completely appropriate for the Christian because I would argue a goal, the concept of goals are rooted in the nature of of God, because God, the Trinitarian God of the Bible, created with with goals in mind, and He states those goals in Genesis chapter one. He so He He comes to the end of creating all this beautiful universe, and the apex of that creation is man in His image, and He sets them on a mission to fill it, to subdue it, multiply in it, um, manage it. Yeah, and so God has. God creates, God creates uh, beautifully, and he does it by speaking, so that's his how, that's how he 
he achieves his goal God wanted to create. Um, God did it by speaking, by his decree. And then how he manages it is creating creatures that are like him in some degree. He gives us a measure of what it is to be like him and then sets us off in it to go manage it. That's a goal. So God had goals. Some of them are mysterious. He doesn't tell us all the reasons for which he created, but he created, um, had a plan, set us in it to go manage it. That's that's God operating on goals. And if I'm made in that image, then a goal is something I, I need to implement. It's something I need to think about. And so goals are most appropriate for Christians. It's one of the ways I think we can exercise what it is to be made in the image of God. Um, I think resolutions are appropriate for Christians because they fit within the Christian's faith-filled works to kill the works of the fallen flesh and then feed the works of the growing new creation fueled by the Holy Spirit. So resolutions, and if my little definition, the way I just stated that, is even partially accurate, are not necessarily rooted in God's nature because there's no improvement needed in God. It's rooted in the fact that because of the curse of sin, I'm always needing to grow in sanctification, what the Bible calls sanctification. That is me growing more into the image of God the way he intended me to be that the curse of sin took away. And so as I see something that needs to change, I resolve to change it by all the power and implements God gives me. So I would say goals and resolutions both fit for the Christian and are something we need to think seriously about. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. And I, I've got a list later on, we'll get to it, of kind of what five of God's goals that we see and that we know about. Like you said, there's definitely some that we, we don't know about, some for our own lives individually and some for people as a whole. Um, and we certainly don't know what his time frame is. Uh, he operates uh, outside of time and space as we know it. So while we, it's important for our goals to be time specific, mm. um, I'll share maybe a little bit more on that later. Um, you know, he doesn't operate in that same mm. thing. But one of the cool things about the Lord is when he sets goals, he desires us to be the ones to help achieve those for him and through him. And I think that's kind of neat um, where we think of goals as kind of a selfish thing. And, and, and they should be in, in a good way, selfish. Right. Um, yeah. And, and the Lord's can be that way too, because obviously they all need to glorify him, but he allows us to be a part of that journey. Um, and I think, I think there's something really neat in that. There is something neat that something you said was really uh, insightful for me is the, um, the nature of God not operating necessarily on, on a time frame, but he operates in eternity. We think in terms of time because all we know is time. So time has to be part of our goals, but God's goal and God's goal for us extends beyond a timeline. Yeah. And so as much as we, it's good to put timestamps on things, I think it's, what's neat is um, even in our timestamp, we're hopefully if we have some goals that reflect things that God really cares about, they're eternal in nature. So they may have a beginning and an end, but that's uh, why the Lord taught us to lay up treasure in heaven. Right. And so there's a component of those kind of goals where it may have a beginning and an end on, on the timeline that we live in, but in the eternal nature of God, it's there's some eternal fruit there. I think that's why as we get older, we start thinking of words like legacy and mm. what am I leaving behind. When you become a parent, you start thinking, what am I instilling in my child and my children that yeah. they will 
passed down. Mm. It, whether good or bad, they're going to be passing things down. They're going to be taking a part of you. And so, mm. um, you know, so true. I think on the flip side of the time and space thing, there are there are times where the Lord, I think, intentionally did operate in a time and space kind of thing so we could understand it. And I think that happens from the beginning with creation. Right. Like he could have created everything with a snap of his finger in one day. I think he broke that down, you know, doing one thing a day or a couple mm-hmm. things a day and then resting, not because he was tired, but he was setting that example for mm-hmm. us of how to not try to accomplish everything at once. Yeah. And and that there's a beginning and an end. Correct. Like God starts something and he finishes it. Yes. And he brings it to a conclusion, and and uh, there's so much. Re- Listen, man, you we say this that could be another two or three podcasts. Completely could. The whole framework of humanity, the framework of created order, the framework of how to live life is really contained in the first two chapters of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Like, if you want to know what is normative, what is right before sin wrecks it, Genesis one and two. There, you, everything from order to purpose to mission to identity. All these big issues are are contained right there, and and it, and here's a crazy thing: it's not addressing evolution, it's not addressing uh, God created, it's addressing the big identity of who God is. And this is what happens. And I, I find what's interesting in in our world is so many people are still hung up on some of those um, um, Charles Darwin stuff and misusing Genesis one and two. Not that you shouldn't use Genesis one and two to debunk some type of macro evolution, but that's not why Moses penned those first two chapters of the Bible, Moses pens those first two chapters as a framework for the people of God who are leaving Egypt and entering Canaan to know who God is, what God has done, who they are, who he is, and what he requires of them. Yeah. And 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 if we miss that, that framework to, because he was rooting out of the people of Israel coming out of Egypt, a pagan philosophy, they were converted, the passing over of the, the, the angel, um, there was the shedding of blood that covered their sin. They passed through the waters of the Red Sea as a baptismal event in which they're now the people of God, and they have to persevere in that. Or if they turn back, they're not the people of God. It's the salvation event. Yeah. And Moses wants them to know who they are, who God is. He wants them to know their God, what their purpose in creation is. Moses isn't interested in Charles Darwin. <laughs> he could yeah. care less. And so those first two chapters of the Bible teach us goals. Um, and, 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 and that's rooted in the absolute nature of God. And that's, that to me is, is absolutely a beautiful thing contained in the first two chapters of the Bible. And it's easy to overlook them. It is. Cause it's easy to be like, Oh yeah, he created the word. Oh yeah. Adam and Eve. Oh, and, and, and by the way, thank you. If, uh, if you go to theology, um, in the dirt.com, you'll find a great Bible reading plan. I know I've started doing it. It's not too late. Uh, that's many right. are using it. Um, yeah. And so, and one of our listeners, I know Taylor Samples is doing it and putting some <laughs> incredible memes out on the social media for each part. So shout out to Taylor. She cracks me up with the Joel Osteen one the <laughs> other day classic. coming in focus. Yeah. My, oh my gosh, that's brilliant. But, uh, you know, but it, it's so, but it's a great reading plan because it's not just reading it straight through, but you get to see immediately the parallels yeah. from Genesis and to Matthew. Right. You get to see all these different stories and, and, and how they're interconnected. And, and so it's not too late to start. Just Absolutely. a little side note there. but Absolutely. Never, never ever, ever too too late to start. So here's a, I'm going to give you an example of a resolution. All right. So um, I got just two quick examples from Jonathan Edwards. Jonathan Edwards is famous for writing his 70 resolutions. Yeah. And I grabbed two of them because he writes, writes this in 1700s language and some of them, 
take some serious exegesis to understand what he, what he was writing in 1700s English. And I do want to give this caveat. I respect Jonathan Edwards as a theologian. Uh, I struggle with Jonathan Edwards because as a theologian, how he could hold and keep slaves the way he did, I really struggle with that, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, one of my wrestlings and struggles as a young Christian was dealing with the concept of slavery and where people like Jonathan Edwards justified it with the Bible and it took reading African-American theologians like Esau Macaulay to help me out of the dark cave of that issue. So if you hear this and think, Jonathan Edwards, rah, 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 no, no, God hits straight licks with crooked sticks. They none of us who have our theology 100% right. Um, and and thankfully, we didn't live in the 1700s. And uh, yeah. I'm thankful that I, right. that I didn't have to make those decisions Um I would like to think I would have gotten it right, like a William Wilberforce, like a Charles Spurgeon, like the Johns and Charles Wesleys. Uh, but Jonathan Edwards didn't get that right. But he did a lot of things right. And one of those is his 70 resolutions. So here's an example of two resolutions. He said, resolve to never do anything out of revenge. So the idea of a resolution is something you want to change. So Edwards captures that by saying he's resolved to never do anything out of revenge, meaning... There have been times he's done things out of revenge. So he wants to resolve to never do that again. Right. And the last one, example I gave of two of the 70s, resolve never to suffer the least emotions of anger towards irrational beings. Meaning there have been times in his life where he has been angry at irrational people. <laughs> and he's like, you know what? It's not appropriate to be angry at people who are just not rational. So he wanted to change that. And so those are examples of resolutions. Mm-hmm. I want to change this, and so I'm resolved now to do this. That's helpful for me to think about my sanctification because I probably got way more than 70 uh, and truthfully haven't spent that much time trying to catalog those because many of them are uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But there are some I'm definitely aware of, and I'm resolved or resolving to make changes. Yeah, I've never been much of a resolution guy. I think it's because of when I think of resolutions as kind of the world, as our culture defines them or uses them, they feel very vague, very nonchalant. Uh, I think they kind of feel intentionally that way so that it's easier to back out of them. I right. mean, just very few come through. So I've always been more of a goal person or yeah. one thing I like, and I'm, you know, we, we talked about this. We're not in here to share all of our goals because you know, those are personal and, and then mm-hmm. they can be public, but that's just not sure. One thing I like to do every year is kind of, um, I mean, I do set goals every year and I have life goals, that are those yearly goals I'd hope to align with my life goals, you know? Um, but I try to each year to have like a one word focus or theme. And that, that just helps me with vision and focus and direction. I don't think everyone has to do that. Um, I've not been awesome at it every year, but I try to have one. And so just wanted to share it for, as an example. Uh, my word for this year, um, one word theme is urgency, uh, which may seem a little odd and right. It's, it's not, it may seem like an odd word to use, but I'll just give a quick explanation. So if you remember Mitch, several years ago, uh, we had a guy named George um, Jacobus come from a company called Integris Leadership. And yes. We did that. We walked through that actually here in this building. That's right. Um, through some of our TRC leaders, some leadership development work, and we did something called a flipping 360 profile assessment. I really enjoyed that. I'd love to do that again, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, just thought it was really eye-opening um, because unlike most personality type assessments, um, you get the you other people fill it out on you and then you see how their opinions of you match up with your opinion of yourself. Some of them are very close. Some of them are very different. And then we also saw as leaders, 
on a on a staff, if you will, or on a in the same church in the same organization where we align with certain things. You and my wife, very high sense of urgency. Uh, I am on the opposite <laughs> end of that, and so and, and you know, you and Adam both. I mean, yeah, I have yeah. a very laid back, casual, nonchalant demeanor and personality, and oftentimes to other people that can come across as lazy, uninterested. Not serious, not focused, unorganized, and just have a low sense of urgency. And don't get me wrong, I, I'm definitely guilty of those things at times. I'm guilty of being lazy at times, guilty of being undisciplined. I'm not trying to lie about that, but usually, especially like outside the home, I'm not like I'm not those things all the time, or even right. all that often. But I can, but I learned during that time how that can be perceived that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you are married to someone, for example, who is very high urgency. It, those things can clash sometimes. And so mm-hmm. that's, and, and I've not done a good job in the past of, you know, showing that like not, I might, I might feel that urgency, but I'm not showing it. And so that's kind of trying to do that more in a lot of my areas of life. And that what that's going to help me do is help me achieve some of those goals that I've, I've had for several years and just haven't done mm-hmm. because they didn't, I didn't put a high sense of urgency on them. Mm-hmm. And, and they, because they're maybe not, like there's not like an emergency pressing, so I'm like, oh, that could right. I'll get to that later, right? right. That kind of pre procrastination type thing. And, and what I realized is that, well, I made those goals for a reason, right? And to either help me or to help others in some way, and to glorify God and to hopefully build His church. And so, by not putting a greater sense of urgency on those things, I'm doing a disservice to myself, mm. to my wife, to everybody. So that's mm. really I'm trying. So like, instead of leaving the dishes in the sink for another day because I can just. I'll get them later trying to clean up the kitchen after I eat fully and put everything away. Yeah. You know, just like little things. Cause I what I've learned is when we pay attention on those little things, it will help us everywhere else. So that's good. That may be a little bit much, but I just, I, I want I say that because resolutions, it's great if you do them, it's fine if you don't. Um, but whatever you do, whatever helps you find something that you can stick to and yeah. focus on and however you need to do that. If you need to write note cards to put them in your car, on your mirror, mm. you know, whatever you need to do to be reminded of those things that are going to help you grow. Mm. Um, do that. No, that's good, man. It's funny. It's funny. Adam and I were talking, uh, after, uh, the memorial on Sunday. Um, I don't even know what brought it up. I can't even remember. And you just said that I, we were remembering that, uh, gathering where we were going over our profiles and how they had us line up, and me uh-huh. and Brittany were all the way over here on the tens. Yeah. <laughs> you and Adam were all the Just way chilling and, over here. Yeah, and Adam was like, I th- Adam's joking about his was in the negative, like his negative, like three on the urgency scale. But what's interesting for me is I need to be less urgent because I, you can be urgent and still be lazy, um, and and sometimes use your urgency <clears throat> as an excuse to just be um, sometimes um, short when when you need to be have a more long-sighted view. And so I want to be less urgent, not in the sense of uh, not seeing things as urgent, but I'm envious of, of you and Adam's like, yeah, man, it's good. And yeah. I want to be more of like, it's all good, man. Yeah. It's all good. I, and what's interesting is I think as, as, as you live life together and iron sharpens iron, the urgent people can learn to relax and the urgent people can help people who are less urgent to, to be a little more urgent. And somewhere meeting in the middle there is is where sanctification really is the sweet spot. Yeah, so that, that's that a balance. Good, yeah, that's a good one, man. It's because it's it's just ironic that we're talking about that Sunday. That's cool. Yeah. Well, it, it, here's a I have a couple of guidelines for resolutions. If you're making some resolutions, um, 
it's kind of what I try to think about with resolutions is what seems to master you and occupy your attention, not for the better. All right. Then resolve to master that thing or those things. So what is it that occupies uh, your attention? That's not good. Uh, resolve to, to set your attention somewhere else. Second thing is, is there, is your conscience bothered about something? If your conscience is bothered about something, then resolve to obey your conscience. And, uh, at the same time, be evaluating what's influencing your conscience because our conscience is something we completely feed and we either feed it with the truth of God's word, um, or we feed it with lies because the conscience is part of our being. And so is your conscience bothered? If so, try to obey your conscience and then be evaluating what's informing your conscience. Yeah. And so, uh, and then, and then third, is there something in the Bible that you avoid or struggle to understand? Then resolve to not avoid those parts of the Bible and then resolve to read and learn about what you don't understand. So dive into them. And, uh, and, and so the, those are some guidelines I have for some resolutions that I try to, I try to live by those guidelines and helping me in my sanctification. So maybe those would be helpful for somebody. <laughs> you say guidelines, it just makes me think of Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> it's like, it's like, we're not guidelines anyway. <laughs> the code. <laughs> we're not guidelines. Um, That's awesome. Hopefully it's funny you, how we think in terms of TV shows and movies. Yes. Maybe I should be resolved to watch less TV. <laughs> well, it's funny because one of the things I'm talking about when creating life goals here is creating them through the lens of the kingdom of God. So <laughs> less... Less office and movie references and more kingdom <laughs> biblical references. Um, yes. But, yes. Uh, yeah, so kind of just, for me, I've kind of focused more on goals here and kind of what should life goals be in light of the kingdom mm-hmm. for us as believers. And I think when we do that, when we when we cr- create those goals through the lens of the kingdom, mm-hmm. that's a completely different mindset because, number one, it helps us realize our own selfishness, um, but also the fact that our gifts, talents, time, money, and resources are his, uh, and to him those most go. I'm just reminded of, um, you know, Romans 12 is one of my favorite chapters, but right before that in 1136, Paul says, for from him and through him and to him are all things, to God mm. be the glory. And I feel like when we start to create goals or we try to create resolutions, that should be kind of that overarching crux of it all and that focus of, okay, is this from mm. him? What I have is from him is what I'm doing th- going through him and is it to him ultimately. And so kingdom goals should be driven by scripture mm. bathed in prayer, focused on glorifying God and building his kingdom and everything else is secondary. It's not unimportant, but it's secondary. Mm. Um, the Lord promises to show us, promises to show us the way Psalms 32, eight, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Mm. Uh, Matthew six thirty three reminds us what our focus should be. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then all these things will be added to you. Uh, remember God's in control. Proverbs sixteen nine: the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Um, and then delighting, delight in the Lord and your goals and plans will align with his. Uh, Psalm 37 is just like beautiful treasure trove of wisdom uh, when you're talking about setting goals, especially mm-hmm. kingdom goals, uh, yes. particularly verse 4. David writes, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And that's not like, man, I really want that Ferrari or or that Mustang. Um, so if I just delighted him, he'll give me the. What happens is when we delighted him, our desires change to yeah. things of his, and that's when he gives us. So I think you know those are like one of those verses that I think yeah. people take apart. It's kind of like seeking and asking, it'll be given to you. Well, not 
<laughs> not if you're asking for things that aren't, you know, you're not going to win the lottery just because you right. ask and seek. Although that'd be nice because I think it's like a billion dollars right now. Awesome. But <laughs> I could have some cool goals with that kind of money <laughs> and, and help other people with their goals. But that's beside the point. But uh, at least that's what I tell God if I decide to participate in that. Like, Lord, I promise I'm giving 10% to the church yeah. and I'm going to help all these people. Build us a church. For some <laughs> um, you know, one important thing real quick, uh, uh, my kind of last comment here is to stress that Kingdom goal setting doesn't have to be super theological or some like mm-hmm. seminary paper, as we said in another podcast. Simply hear and obey. Uh, when, mm-hmm. we, when we delight and abide in Him, our desires start to become His, and what we want is to make Him more famous and share with others about His grace and mercy. And so, uh, if if you want to, and I think that paradox and that order is important there: delight, abide in Him, hear from Him, and then set your goals and your resolution resolutions based off of that. That's good. Because that's going to shape those into what they need to be. And mm. they start to align and mesh with what he wants. That's solid, man. I've, I've got a few guidelines for goals that I try to use. And uh, I know you got some takeaways. So I'll give my goals. You give us your takeaways. And, and, uh, and we'll, be, we'll be ready to, to interact with our, our folks. And by the way, we always appreciate you guys. Uh, a lot of folks, at least, uh, in our fellowship will come and tell me they listened uh saw a guy the other night we we uh went out to to grab a, a bite to eat and saw one of our fellow trc folks and they popped in to eat and said hey i was just listening to the podcast on santa claus that was fun that was awesome and so i appreciate people giving us feedback usually in person sometimes by email uh but if you guys ever want to email us a thing you'd like us to talk about theology in the dirt at gmail.com and uh, you can see us at church or if you attend three rivers church or if not you can like i said email or uh or hit us up on the the old Spotify, I think there are ways you can you can contact us on there. But mm-hmm. love to hear from you. Um, here's some guidelines for goals for me. Start with knowing your why. Why do you exist? What are you here for? Second, make sure your goals are rooted in God's good for mankind, not what mankind might say is good that's divorced from God's word. So make your goals something that's rooted in God's revealed goodness for mankind. Um, don't let the world system... Um, speak to you about what your goals need to be and particularly when those goals come through the mouths of christians who are actually speaking the world's goals with a christian t-shirt on them be discerning know what is god's good third make your goals achievable um i heard pat die say this in person one time i don't know if many people know pat die former auburn head football coach legendary auburn football coach was actually a georgia graduate Mm -hmm. um Vince Dooley, legendary Georgia coach, is an Auburn Auburn. graduate. So, so wild. Heard Pat Dye say one time, your goals should be so high you can't achieve them so that what you actually end up achieving is greater than if you'd set a lower goal. I used to believe that. Uh, And I think there are flaws in that. I think Dye is wise. But uh, I don't know that there's – I think there's some wisdom in that. I don't know that it's – I don't know it's true. Um, I think your goals need to be achievable. Um, I think there needs to be a sense of of being able to meet a milestone. Um, And and so I think your goals need to be achievable. So try to set achievable goals. Fourth, make sure your goals are measurable in some way. Like you need to be able to track yourself. Um, So make them in some way measurable. And fifth, write your goals down. This is why journaling is important, at least for me. I go through two journals a year. Uh, The the journals I use usually fill up about six months. Uh, and then, so I have two a year, um, and I try to write them down. Um, it helps me remember them because yeah. I have to come back to him, stare him in the face. So either X them out and go, I'm not going to do that, or 
<laughs> I might ought to get after that. Here's an example of a big goal. It's a big goal for this year is finally for us to launch the last Jolly Boy to college. And so uh got three sons, two of which are launched to college, and we got one more to get out. So here's some some of the measurables. One finishes FAFSA, uh, federal student aid. Ooh, fun stuff. Oh, yeah. Football camps attended this minimum of five. He's a, he's an athlete uh, recruited. He's got a couple offers to play college football. Got more coming in. So we needed 10 football camps. We're going to another one, an open tryout uh, here in a couple of weeks. Communicate with college coaches. Attend all invited official visits. Say thank you a lot. Use Twitter to market. Uh, it's necessary, so you got to use some social media. And then take pictures and keep stats and share them. And so there's some some of the ways to achieve this. And so there are things you have to do. It's not just as easy. It's like, well, I think I'm going to go to – well, there's there's stuff to do. And so that's a big, hairy, audacious goal was to finally launch that last kid into college. And, and so that's an example of a goal this year and some of the ways we're going to achieve it. Yeah, no, I think all that's good. And some of those kind of bleed into my kind of five takeaways for this week. So I'll kind of just just get transitioned into there. Um, This one's not, this is actually number five on my list, but I'm going to start with it because it pretty much says the same thing for you. One of the tools I use a lot when creating goals, and if you need help creating goals, you can go and Google smart goals. And I know you've probably seen this before. Not Kirby smart, although that's a good one to follow. It's a good Um, one. <laughs> his goals win the national championship, got a chance to win too. Um, sorry, couldn't resist there. Georgia fan. But SMART stands for specific. So make sure your goals are specific. They're not they're not vague. They're measurable. Mm. So there has to be some kind of measurement that you can see how you're doing on them. Um you, you said achievable and that's the A, definitely. Uh and I on that one real quick, I think that's an important one to stress because I, I agree with you. I, it's fine to set really high goals. When we say make them achievable, it's not it's not like lowering or watering down your goals, it's, but it's making sure that they're not also out there. Like if your goal is you know become president of the United States, that's fine if that's your goal, but you have to know like the chances of that are pretty small. So right. don't let that be like your only goal. You right. know, maybe your goal, a smaller goal, would be to work in your local government first. And so you know, it's it's important that not that your goals be achievable. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something that happens within us, with our brain, within our physiological selves when we achieve something yeah. and if we're always spent running after something and never achieving it mm. um it just leaves us with this it's it, it, that that hunger eventually turns to doubt mm. and to um self self-confidence issues almost always does so mm. make sure that you're setting things that are achievable um the r is relevant they're relevant to you relevant to your time in life relevant to everything around you not necessarily relevant to culture, but relevant in the scheme of the kingdom and of where the Lord and where you are at this time. And then T is time bound. So time specific, you know, when do you want to achieve this goal? Is it just by the end of the year? Is it in the next five years? Make sure that there is a time um, component to that because that will help you hone in your goals. Um, second takeaway, uh, creating goals is important, but make sure your goals align with his purpose and plan for your life and stay on mission. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned that, that earlier about purpose and understanding our why. And I th- I'm glad you said that because that's so important that we establish that first, mm-hmm. that we understand our why. Yeah. Um, Simon Sinek has a great book on that, Knowing Your Why, or Start With Why, excuse me. And uh, there's a lot of great books out there and, and information on how to, if you don't know what your purpose is, how to find that out how to create a purpose statement mm-hmm. how to craft something so you understand why you were put on this earth to do and then then set your goals based off of that purpose 
because um, my next one is you have a purpose uh, and you have value. Yeah. yeah. Um, never believe otherwise. God has given us this life for specific reasons. You have gifts and talents for a reason. Use them for his glory and to make him known. Um, number four, not every goal has to be spiritual in nature, but if done correctly, they will all point to Christ. Uh, so, for example, it's not a bad goal to be healthy or to lose weight or to work out more. I'm still working hard to continue my health journey. Um, lost nearly 80 pounds. Uh, since May, and I have lots of failures and shortcomings in that time. But and it's not that that's obviously a good goal. We should want to be healthy. But the thing is that I can, I believe, I can honor the Lord more. I can know Him more through this journey. So that yeah. there's a purpose behind that, a spiritual purpose. Mm-hmm. It make it will make me a better husband, a better father. Allow me more time on this earth to lead and serve my family. Mm-hmm. It'll help in so many different ways. Yeah. And so it's it's. It's not that it's that's a spiritual goal of nature, but it kind of is. Sure, um, and it can help point to Christ, others to Christ and myself, mm-hmm. keep me aligned with Him. And then the last one: New Year's resolutions aren't bad. So if you made some, please don't hear us say that you should never make resolutions. But again, goal goals are probably better and more likely to last unless your resolutions are, like we said, um, written the right way and done the right way. And so don't just make them kind of vague, empty statements that you're easy to get out of. Mm. Um, the definition of resolution I found is the act or process of changing to simpler form, which I thought was interesting because I always thought, man, if we make these resolutions, it's going to complicate our life more. So if you are, don't complicate your life. Make it simpler mm. by – and you do that by keeping close to your purpose and your, your function and why you're here and aligning those with the kingdom. Well, that's solid. That's gold, man. Um, and, and, and by the way, all the New Year's resolutions people who showed up at the gym – Here's here's what happens. They all leave in six weeks, and those of us who are consistent in the gym can't wait for them to leave because <laughs> they Spread jack up. the gym up, man. They don't put weights up; they leave weights racked. <laughs> and I and oh god! So all you New Year's resolutions people, if you decide one of your resolutions to go to the gym, make it a resolution to make the gym a happy place to be for those who are already there, right. and put your weights up. Your mama doesn't work there. That's like one of my gym rules: is put your weights up. So anyway, that's a good one. yeah, that that that's a little just crusty old man resolution piece. Yeah, man, dude, that's good stuff, Chris. And guys, we really hope that uh, you are really uh, going to set some resolutions and some goals. We really hope that you'll uh, take this to heart and pay attention to some things you maybe need to change and some goals to set to to achieve greater things this year in twenty twenty three. We appreciate you guys listening. As always, you can hit us up, theologyandthird at gmail.com. Ask us questions, anything you want us to talk about, we're glad to talk about it. It's a pleasure to be able to do this. I enjoy time with Chris. I enjoy being sharpened as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. It's a pleasure to do this with you, brother. Likewise. All right, guys, y'all have a good rest of your week. We'll see you next time. Out. Peace.